I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, we started a, a segment, a recurring segment, and uh, we will continue that through uh, Election Day. And it is a quick look into a day in the life of a candidate. Uh, what, what are the day-to-day activities like as you are seeking elected office? And in today's case, when you are seeking a seat in the United States House of Representatives, how do you go about earning that? How do you go about communicating to uh, your would-be constituents, uh, the various stakeholders, uh, the, the, the people who uh, support or who may support, who support you'd like, certainly, as you seek to sit uh, in the United States Congress as a, a member? Uh, I have told you countless times in the past that I have a very special affection for Utah's first congressional district. I, uh, for almost five years, uh, worked as a congressional aide uh, for Congressman Rob Bishop, who last year announced that he would not be seeking re-election. Uh, and it was then uh, that many individuals uh, sat back and said, hey, you know what? I think I might be qualified to uh, represent Utah's first congressional district. And so the primary battles began and the field has been narrowed. We spoke earlier in the week with Blake Moore, who has received the Republican nomination. And today we are joined by Darren Perry, who is the Democratic nominee uh, in the race for Utah's first congressional seat. Uh, Mr. Perry, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, good to be on your show, Lee. Yeah, uh, it, it's been some time since uh, since you and I spoke, but since then uh, you have uh, secured the the nomination, and so uh, congratulations to you for that. Uh, before we go any further, reintroduce yourself. Who, who are you? What's your background? Uh, so I, I've lived my whole life in the first district. My father was a school teacher in the early days, and so we lived out in the Uinta Basin. He was act he was actually Rob Bishop's. Uh, junior high teacher. Oh, wow. So uh, I grew up in Syracuse, lived most of my married life in Weber County, and now I call Providence in uh, the Cache Valley home because it's close to the Bear River Massacre site, and that's my employment is with the tribe. And up until recently, I've served as the chairman of the Shoshone Nation. So, you know, all of that has kind of shaped my political views and my values and who I am today. And you think that you are best suited to go off to Washington and represent the people of Utah's first district? Well, you know, I love Blake Moore. I absolutely do, and I love the tone of our campaign uh, that we both have because it's a tone that needs to resonate in America today. Uh, we can have differences of opinions, but let's sit down and see how we can figure it out and work together. But it's absolutely a problem that he doesn't live in the district and has no 
he, he has no desire to live in the district. And, and everybody I talk to says, well, how, how, how do you do that? How, how can you do that? And I say, well, state law allows you to do that. So uh, he grew up in Ogden, went to high school here, but he hasn't been here since. And I have been to every corner of this district as a tribal leader. I've had to deal with the Utes out in the Uinta Basin and our tribal offices in Brigham City. I know rural Utah, and uh, it's just important to me. My values are shaped by the district I have lived in and always lived in and will die in one day. And uh, I, I just think it's a big deal, this election cycle. We were calling this segment uh, a day in the life. I get very uh, curious about uh, like the details uh, of the days spent by candidates as they seek office. Talk to us about today. What's on today's agenda? Well, today it's interesting because I'm employed by the tribe and I raise money. Uh, we purchased the Bear River Massacre site, and now we're raising money to build an interpretive center on the site. So that's my full-time job, and that's what I've committed and, and to. You conti- and you continue that th- throughout your campaign? You're campaigning yes, and working? I, I am. And, and, you know, when I started the campaign, that interpretive center and telling our story is always my number one priority. But I've had to really juggle this. And so this morning, I had an interview with Utah State University's magazine. comes out quarterly, and and they're doing a story on – how we are restoring the ground at the massacre site to what it looked like in 1863 Mm. with the plants and things. And so I did an hour and a half interview at home about that. And so, and then uh, today's been more of a chill day, but I'll tell you when I signed up in February to do this, uh, I thought the campaign would look differently. But what I find today is uh, my technology skills are better. (laughs) And uh, so but still, uh, you know, I wanted the face-to-face with people, and I think that's a dynamic I thrive in. I have such a good relationship with the legislature, and I spend a lot of time down there. And so being in face-to-face contact with people, having them hear me and, and get to know me, that was really, really important to me. And so it certainly looks different, and it's not what I signed up for. I right. signed up to knock doors and meet people and have town halls and and have people get to know me. But it's just different, and we're rolling with it. The one good thing I did is I hired a bunch of uh, USU students to work on my campaign on the social media side. Uh, they're young. They're eager. Their political views are sometimes a little more left than mine. And so – but I love that whole dynamic, and I love the energy that they bring to the campaign. And so – uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's just every day's a little bit different. I took a few hours off yesterday and went up to Park City and met with the mayor mm-hmm. and the city council, and that was awesome and beautiful. And uh, we had a great discussion about tourism and and what public lands needs to look like, and it would look completely different than the Rob Bishop era. And I've got Rob Bishop on my speed dial. We text each other back and forth all the time mm-hmm. because I've had to work with Congress as a tribal leader. Right. But our views on the public lands and the environment are completely different. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's just different than what yeah. I, I thought it would be, but I'm adapting and rolling with the punches. Next time you text Rob Bishop, tell him, tell him Lee said hello. Uh, and answer me this question in part. And last one I'll ask you. Uh, you mentioned the, the elephant in the room, uh, this coronavirus, the uh, intrusive, annoying, the dangerous and deadly uh, impact that it has had on our country and uh, specifically in, in your case on the way candidates uh, campaign and spread their message. Uh, should you be elected uh, to the United States Congress? I- is there a role for Congress in combating uh, this coronavirus? And uh, and if so, what's the what should be done from the congressional level? I, I, well, I think the role is uh, provide the funding that they've been providing. Uh, it wasn't fast enough. And it wasn't enough for the average person or the small business owner. I think the the federal government did a great job of taking care of large business. And I would have loved to see families that are really hurt by this virus, marginalized communities, the Navajo Nation. I would have loved to see more help go to them as as opposed to large business. More, More money and more targetedly spent money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, the federal government's not the answer for everything. I'm not for a big government at all, even as a Democrat. But I think strategically, we need to spend our money more wisely and take care of our... The Native American culture, we're only as valuable as our uh, most vulnerable. And and that's what drives me as a politician today. Darren Perry, we have to leave it at that. Let that be the last word. Uh, Thank you for your time. We're going to take a a break right now. And when we return, uh, we're going to set our sights again on Utah County, specifically uh, law enforcement. We'll be joined in just a moment by Mike Smith, Utah County Sheriff, who was uh, uh, himself a part of that large conference call this morning trying to sort out what the heck to do about this surge in cases, many of them coming from Utah County. Sheriff Smith, my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.